Can people who are making short-term trips actually invest in education and community building over the long haul? We'll talk about that and more. This is the Engaging Missions Show, Episode 198, with Dr. Paul Chin Chin. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm really glad that you're here. Our goal is to equip, challenge, and inspire you to connect, care, give, and go. This week, we're continuing our series on short-term missions. We're going to be talking about the value of education, raising up leaders who pour into other leaders, community building, and also some of the creative ways that other churches are involving people in missions. Before we get to that, though, I do want to mention that I'm in the middle of a fundraiser for Global Initiative. I'm praying and believing God for $4,000 to help them prepare materials and provide training for the global body of Christ to reach Muslims for the gospel. If you'd like to know more about that, visit engagingmissions.com slash fund16. We're also going to pause to hear a short message from Scott McClelland, and then we're going to join our guest. Hey, Scott McClellan with FX Missions. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Missions Show. We also wanted to let you know about our Leadership Moment podcast. It's a weekly 10-minute podcast where we focus on leadership ideas, concept, and inspiration and offer interviews often with those who are stepping out and taking action. Leadership Moment. Check us out at fxmissions.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks a lot. All right. Today we have with us Dr. Paul Chinchin. He's going to talk with us about building long-term relationships in short-term missions. He and his wife, Laura, have been missionaries to Malawi, Liberia, and Uganda for 25 years now. He's the president of African Bible Colleges and the chancellor for all three of their universities. And he's also the founder of two more ministries that are associated with African Bible Colleges. So, Paul, welcome to the show. Hey, well, thank you very much, Brian. I appreciate you inviting me. Oh, it is absolutely my pleasure, and I'm really looking forward to connecting with you. Now, obviously, we're going to focus mostly on short-term missions, but before we do that, I've given a little bit of an introduction as far as what you do with the schools and being chancellor and things like that. Can you maybe just kind of sum up a little bit about what's what's guiding your days now or what you're filling your days with right now? Sure. And and thank you very much for mentioning our ministry. It's African Bible Colleges, and oh. we run three Christian universities in Africa. One in Malawi is where my wife and I have been for most of the past 25 years, but we also have lived up in Kampala, Uganda, where we have a campus, and then in Yakepa, Liberia. I actually grew up in Liberia. My parents moved there in 1970. I was six years old at the mm. time, and so I was there from first grade through 12th grade as a missionary kid, and then met my wife at Biola University is where we went to college. But our main focus of our ministry, as you said, is running Christian universities. I think we take it for granted here in the U.S. that when a young person finishes high school, that they kind of have the right privilege or at least the opportunity to go to college if they want to, at least a community college. And it's not like that in Africa. Where we are in Malawi, there are 17 million people. And if you had a school of a thousand first graders, only three out of a thousand are going to ever go to college. So it's a, a very rare 
opportunity. So higher education is very valued in Africa. There's highly competitive. And so our students that we have at our campuses are, are very, very unique, special young Christian young men and women that really want to serve the Lord. It's a wonderful ministry to be a part of. Students that really want to be in school, really want to learn, very motivated and go into all kinds of different Christian ministries. Our, our colleges do have the main degrees in biblical studies. We teach the Bible, but they also go into a lot of other important parts of society. We, we have a degree in education. We have a degree in community development. We have a degree in business, communications, education. A lot of them go to be teachers and a lot of them are on radio and television throughout Africa. In fact, we run four Christian radio stations in Africa and one one Christian television station in Malawi. So wow. that's kind of a summary of what our mission does. But the, the main part of our, of our ministry, the main focus is training up young Christian men and women at a Christian university like a Wheaton or like a Biola or like a Columbia Bible College at our three Christian universities. Wow, that, that's an amazing and very clearly a need that you're filling there. Now, obviously, you're a full-time missionary, you're a vocational missionary. You, you've been doing this for decades now, but you've, you've also got some experience with interacting with short-term missions. And I'm wondering, can you tell us from your experience how you've seen short-term missions have a positive impact in people's lives? Yes, and Brian, I really appreciate you focusing on this in this series. I... I'm a huge, huge fan of short-term missions. I have found in life that there's nothing easier than to criticize things that people are doing. And you're, you'll hear a lot of what you call vocational missionaries making comments about short-term missions and how they're needed or not needed or yeah. if they're effective or not effective. Look, from my years of experience in Africa, and we probably host a minimum of 50, usually somewhere closer to 100 short-term missionaries at our three campuses every year. It, it has a huge impact. One, it, huge, great relationships for us, for our mission organization. We're very dependent on people who come to visit, being donors and source of resources after they go back home. They go back much more excited to their home churches but also they're able to help us with projects. They're able to work with our students. They're able to work with our graduates of African Bible College. They're, they're able to participate in our medical ministry. We run a mission hospital in Malawi that last year saw 65,000 patients. And we couldn't do that without short-term teams. We have medical students that come through every year and volunteer at our ABC community clinic. So those things are helpful. But Brian, by far the biggest impact is on the person themselves that come over there. You, you've probably heard this kind of comment. Well, instead of, instead of sending 20 people on a mission trip to Africa, why don't you take the 40,000 that they would have spent in airfare and you could have built an orphanage. And I tell people, well, look, no one would have given that 40,000 to build an orphanage if they hadn't come over there to see it themselves. Yeah. And it, it is absolutely life changing for the people that come to Africa. And that's the first message that I give to people coming on short term mission trips. This isn't always about how you're going to help the missionaries you're, you're there to work with, the vocational missionaries. It's not always about who you're helping in Haiti or Mexico, the, the local people there, which is very important. But it's really about how much it's going to change your life. And I cannot emphasize enough 
how much this is life changing to the people that come. And, and I'll tell you a good story that I think sums up short term missions very well. Oh, first of all, just on a practical side, in addition to running our three Christian universities, we run the ABC Christian Academy, which is mm-hmm. a Christian school. It's kindergarten through 12th grade. My wife runs at Laura. And, but we're very dependent on teachers that come on one or two year commitments to teach grades kindergarten through 12th. And almost without exception, and I would put it in the 90 something percentile of our teachers at that academy first came over on a short term trip, either with the African Bible mm-hmm. College or with Children of the Nations or with YWAM. But they're on a short term trip to Africa and go, wow, I'd love to come back and do this. You're probably familiar with the story of Kisses from Katie, the girl that went to Uganda when she was in high school. Are you familiar with that book? It's kind of ringing a bell, but I've not read it. Okay. A classic story of a young girl in high school. And in fact, my, my son's a junior in high school and he's rounded up seven of his friends, eight actually, eight of his friends from his high school here. Madison Ridgeland Academy in Mississippi to go back to Africa with him this summer. Exactly like this girl. She was a junior or senior in high school, spent the summer in Uganda, came back, started college. Halfway through her first semester, she, she drove home and told her parents, I can't do this. <laughs> she said, all I'm doing is thinking about all the kids I was with in Uganda and how much I could be doing there. That's so much more important than what I'm learning in school right now. And so she got on a plane went back to Uganda and she's lived there ever since. Wow. So it, it, it has a huge impact on people's lives. And what I was about to say is our ABC Christian Academy that we run, almost all the teachers we have on the practical side, it, it opens up their eyes to the opportunities of how they can be used. But spiritually, and let me tell you this story, it is a wonderful example. His name is Rick Feld. He was a lawyer. He was out of Newport, Newport Beach, California. Hmm. And he came with a team, Rick Warren's church, Saddleback out of California, had a team come over to Malawi and they're just there for a few weeks during the summer. And he did some work there on our mission at African Bible College. And then he went into the village, went to an orphanage and did some prison ministry and, and enjoyed his trip there. And he said, hey, Paul, if you're ever in Southern California, give me a call. I'm in Orange County. I'd love to take you to lunch. So my wife's from San Diego. So the next time we were there, I, I called up Rick Fell. I said, hey, I'm, I'm coming up to Orange County. Can we meet for lunch? He says, yeah, yeah. But instead of meeting for lunch, he said, please come to my office. I, I want you to stop by my office and then we'll go out to lunch. I said, hey, sure, that's fine. So I went to his office. And I didn't realize he was one of the partners. And this is a big Orange County, L.A. type law firm. I mean, this was top class building. I had no idea. So I walk in. His secretary takes me back to his office. He opens the door. She opens the door. And there on the walls of his office, and Rick Feld could have had Monet and Cezanne on his walls. He had framed pictures, matted, framed, and hanging on the walls of his law firm pictures from his mission trip hmm. to, to Malawi. And I said, wow, Rick, I said, this, this is amazing. I said, thank you for framing pictures from your trip and hanging them in your office here in your law firm. He goes, Paul, he said, that's a reminder to me every day, how much that trip to Africa changed my life. He said, wow. I, he said, I think I was a born again Christian before I went. And he said, I, I probably was. He said, but you know what? Now I know for sure that I am. 
And he said, and it's a reminder that my life will never be the same. He said, I don't think about the rest of the world the same. I don't think about missions the same. I don't even think about going to church the same. He said, everything I do is different now because of that trip to Africa. And so, Brian, these trips have a huge influence on people. And I've seen this time and time again. Wow, that's that that's an amazing story. So, Paul, as I'm thinking about this, you know, one of the things I do see from time to time on social media or whatever is how we're doing short term missions poorly. And, you know, I'd like to know how we could do it better. But what I'm really wondering is how have you seen it done well that we could all learn and grow from? Yes. And and what you've said is a good point. It it doesn't take a lot of intellect to point out things that people are doing wrong. You're, You're right. What are things that people are doing right that we can learn from good examples? There's a couple of wonderful missional churches that we've had great partnerships with over the years. One of them is here in Jackson, Mississippi, Broadmoor Baptist Church, a wonderful mission pastor, Mark Evans. They know how to run short-term mission trips. The same with the Grove Church in Chandler, Arizona. The pastor is my twin brother, Palmer Chinchin. He grew up in Liberia. He has a wonderful missions pastor, Paul Gunther. They brought 142 people to Africa last summer. They're bringing another 88 people to Africa this summer. They run great, great short-term mission trips. And let me just tell you a quick story about the growth. And the third one I have to mention is, is the Flood Church. Their missions lead pastor is Matt Hammett. He's been to our missions three or four times in Uganda and Malawi. But their mission pastor, Adam Klawowski. Again, these are three churches that built long-term relationships. I think that's one of the, the questions we're going to talk about later is how, how do you not just come over and have a nice looky-loo trip to Africa and yeah. go on a safari, and that was a lot of fun. But what, what's a long-term goal, and how can you really be effective? And here's an important thing for people to keep in their mind when you talk about short-term missions. I think for so long we saw... I'm in Africa, so I think Africa, but it's no different in Haiti. It's no different in Mexico. We saw missions as a trapdoor mm. where we're dropping things through this trapdoor that has this powerful spring on it. Boom, it slams shut. So, you know, they, they need relief supplies in Haiti and we'll drop them through the trapdoor. They need food for kids in Ethiopia. We drop them through the trapdoor. We don't see it as anything being returned from Haiti or anything being returned from Ethiopia or anything being returned missions is a revolving door. You're you're passing on things to Africa, but you're taking back to your church and your people in America is mm. so much more valuable, so much more important than what you could have ever given them. And that that's very important. But when we talk about missional churches, I'll give you one good example. The, this, the Grove Church in Chandler, Arizona. This was 2010. It was their first time to get 100 people to go overseas in one summer. And that summer they had, I think it was 30 or 40 going to Liberia. They had another 60 or 70 coming to Malawi. And then they, when they all got back at the end of the summer, they had a time for them to share at their church about their trip. And they'd set aside a Sunday and different people from all the different teams would get up and speak. And so what my, my twin brother is the pastor of that church and what he had done is he had put up three big plywood sheets at the back of the, the stage and they painted them black and they put big buckets of street color chalk, sidewalk chalk at the bottom. And after the people shared, he told them, he said, okay, 
these are the hundred people. He'd call them all up at the end of each of the services. These are the hundred people that went to Africa this summer. If you're committing to go on a mission trip this summer, come get a piece of chalk, one of these color chalk, and write on one of these black boards your name and what you're willing mm-hmm. to do overseas. And so I wasn't there for that service. I happened to be flying in that night. I flew into Phoenix. My twin brother picked me up at seven or eight that night for driving to his house. He said, Paul, Paul, he said, I can't take you to the house. We've got to come to the church. <laughs> and so we drove straight from the airport to the church. We walk into their sanctuary. It's dark. He's let me turn the lights. He turns the lights on. And here's these three boards on the back of the church that used to be black. They painted them with black chalkboard paint completely lit up with all these neon colors, every color you could imagine. He goes, all of these people signed up to go on a mission trip. He said, good gosh, Palmer, how many is that? He said, we counted them after church. 386 wow. people signed up to go on a mission trip. <laughs> so that's the impact that you go on a mission trip. Here he had 100 go. The next year they have almost 400. So it's a fourfold effect, but you're, you're getting people excited about being involved in God's work. Uh, short-term mission trips, Brian, it opens up people's eyes to what God's doing in the world. We, we, we forget we live on an island here in America. I'm sorry. But once you get outside of the U.S. and you travel down south to, to South America, you travel to Asia, you travel to Europe, you travel to Africa, these are all different continents. They're so different from each other. It, you really start to realize there's a lot that God's doing in the world, and, and it can be tremendously encouraging, tremendously motivating to the churches here. You want to find a church that's, that's dying here in America? Find one. You What you'll find, they're not involved in mission. You want to find a church that's growing. People are coming. People are excited. It's a church that's involved in missions, and, and they're giving to people outside of themselves, outside of their own congregation. You've probably heard the story of Chan. Francis Chan down in Orange County, his church where they, I I don't remember the numbers, but it's part of his testimony where they raised all this money to build a brand new sanctuary. And he went on a mission trip to Africa. I, I think it was Rwanda. It wasn't related to our mission, but he went back. He was so convicted about all the money they had raised to spend on themselves on this huge new facility. He met with his elders. They were in agreement. He stood up and of the congregation. He says, yeah, I'm really, really sorry. He said, but after this trip and seeing all the needs that are in other parts of the world, we don't need that huge new building. He said, we've got a nice parking lot. We can meet out there. We've turned, we'll pull out some of the asphalt, put in grass and benches and we'll meet outside. He said, but we need to give this money to, to work somewhere else. He said, we don't need this here. But, but, you know, if he hadn't gotten on the plane and seen that, he would never have known what the needs were in Africa and how much God is doing. And, Brian, let me just say, in particular, the church in Africa is just growing at a rate that, that's hard to describe. You'll hear numbers of 20,000 new Christians a day, 30,000 new Christians a day. It's been documented by three or four different missiologists. One of them, one of them is Elizabeth Ichi, and, and she's the one that said, in the West, our numbers as Christians are in decline. If you were to take the U.S. and Europe together, we're losing 7,000 Christians a day. Every day in America and Europe, there's 7,000 fewer Christians than there were yesterday. Whereas in Africa, she put the number at 32,000 new Christians every day. And, and wow. it is a fact. You, you can look this up. There, there's a billion people in Africa. 
Now, most, most Americans don't know that. They know there's a billion people in China, and they might know there's a billion people in India. There's also a billion people in Africa, but half of them are Christians. Wow. So there, there's, there's more Christians in Africa, 500 million, than there are people in America. We only have 350 million people here in America. So it's a fast-growing church. They need help. They need resources. That's somewhere where the short-term teams that come over, it, it's just an excitement and an enthusiasm and an open door for the gospel that, that we're not used to here. People are being born again. Lives are being changed. Lost are being saved. I promise you it's happening every day. So it's a very, very exciting thing. You, you're missing out. Churches are missing out that don't get their people overseas to see this firsthand. I, I loved that picture of the revolving door. And I can say from my own experience, I've definitely been guilty from time to time of that one and done type mentality where you do something once and you kind of figure it's done rather than focusing on that relationship, which is part of, part of why I was hoping, to, wanting to talk to you about this, because I think it really is, even though it's a failing of mine, it's really important to focus on those relationships to begin to know the things that you're knowing. Now, obviously you're a vocational missionary and you have people that come in and invest in you over the years. And I'm just wondering, you know, there are obviously a lot of opportunities to build relationships and to, to expand, but you have limited time and limited resources. How do you determine what are the best relationships or which relationships you're going to focus on building over time? Well, that, that, that's a good question. Primarily with, with, in the ministry that I'm in, it's a mentoring ministry where you're running Christian universities. So first of all, the people that I, that I have to spend time with, and it's very meaningful and important, are the people that run our ministries, yeah. the ones that run our radio stations, the ones that run our TV station, the ones that run our three Christian colleges. But the great thing is, is most of these were former students of mine. And so these are smaller Christian colleges. I think most students we have are in Malawi, it's 350. And then in Uganda, we have 150. And in Liberia, about 120. But so uh, with a smaller Christian college type setting, you're able to spend time with those students. And, and that's really where you make a huge long-term difference. Yeah. Investing in the lives of national young men and women. I have a young lady. She's not that young anymore. She's probably <laughs> 40 by now. But one of my former students in Malawi she did her doctorate here in Virginia. She's now the vice chancellor running the, the first college president in the country of Malawi. That's a female, Lady Maggie Madimba, but doing a fantastic job running our college there. The same with our mission hospital. I mentioned it saw 65,000 patients last year. The lady that runs that, Mala Kowali, is one of my former students. Her husband was also one of my former students. He's now a member of parliament. There's only 183 mm -hmm members of parliament that run the government. It's like being a senator here. Three of those now are, are former students and I. So that, that's where I have the unique opportunity of saying, of being very intentional. We have every, every other Friday, we have a Bible study that meets on our front porch when we're there in Malawi, where I have 12 or 15 students. I meet with them all semester long, 15 weeks. And the same, we do that every semester that we're there. So you really get to know them. I make sure that whenever I'm, in one of our at one of our campuses there for a whole semester, I teach a class. I want to just sit in the admin office. You don't get to know students working in administration. I hmm. Teach a class. That's how you get to know what their issues are. You go home with our students. 
So we, we have a wonderful opportunity. I, what I've probably enjoyed more than anything is coaching our basketball teams. I, <laughs> I grew up during the time of Magic Johnson and Dr. J and Michael Jordan. And so I, I'm a huge basketball fan, played basketball through high school and never played in college. Wasn't that good. But I have enjoyed since 1992, I started coaching our college basketball team whenever I'm in Malawi. And that really, that one-on-one time in the afternoons with those guys going on road trips, spending the night with our college students all over Malawi and all really all over that part of East Africa, that's a really important time opportunities to get to know these guys personally, where you can really make a invest in them and really see relationships grow. You mentioned these discipleship or these mentoring relationships that you have with a number of your students, some of whom are now in leadership. Are you finding that they're taking the, the same perspective and the same approach in building relationships and pouring into the lives of other people as well? Yes, absolutely. And again, there's a phrase I like to use. It's called point of contact or an effective point of contact. And this is important. We're talking about short-term mission teams in particular when they come over. What What's the most effective, not just work for them to do, but what's an effective point of contact for them to have with local people? And really, no one should get on the plane for a short-term mission trip without sitting down and really thinking about that. Yes, it's fun to play with kids at an orphanage, and that's needed. There, there's some desperate situations. In fact, the, the country we're in, in Malawi, Time Magazine put it on their cover, Malawi, the orphan nation. Mm. So, yes, that, that's important work that needs to be done. There's prison ministries. That's, that's an important opportunity, and we're very involved in that. But as far as, as an American going to Africa, there's really, really a tremendously effective point of contact is working with college students that are young Christian young men and women that are going to be leaders in their community when they graduate in the church, outside of the church, in education and in government. I have dozens of my graduates involved in every level of government in Malawi, and that's important. Franklin Graham, he came here to Mississippi last fall before the elections and he, there were hundreds of Christians, thousands, thousands of Christians came to the Capitol here and speak. And he said, why aren't more of you involved in government? You need Christians in government. I mm-hmm. just need Christians in church. And so I took that message back to our students in Africa and said, y'all need to get involved in government. But here, here's what I'm getting at as far as short-term staff coming over, short-term visitors, is yes, we, we'll give you the experience of going out to the village. We'll give you the experience of going to the orphanage and, and doing things with the kids. That's a lot of fun. But as far as an effective long-term relationship, you can't find a better point of contact than an American who speaks English, a college student in Africa who speaks English, who has a heart for the Lord, where you can really share deep biblical truths with them. They can share email addresses. They can get on Facebook with each other. I, I can tell you story after story of not just our visitors helping our students. And that's important, by the way, mm-hmm. especially for our mission. Getting short term teams over there is every one of my college students has to have somebody help support them to get them through college. The cost per student for our mission is thirty two hundred dollars a year to get someone through college. We our students can barely pay half of that. So, I mean, every student we take, I have to find somebody that's going to cover the other 1500 well 
short-term teams that come over there. They build a relationship for the student. I don't have to say anything. They come to me. I want to help the student finish college. So financially, it's important to the student. But then that relationship afterwards, they come back and speak at people's churches here. The church sends more people there. It's, it's just a, a wonderful, like you said, revolving door relationship where they're having an impact on, on each other's lives. And, and as far as churches getting involved, I think you, you mentioned this early on. How do short-term missions have a positive impact, not just on people's lives, but on the whole church's life? Hmm. I'll give you one really good example. We, we had a team come over. This was 1999. I was finishing our mission hospital there in Malawi. We were opening that summer, and this was in April, so that spring. And, and I'd been in contact with Trinity Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi, and they are organizing a mission team. But they had started a relationship with an African-American church, and they'd become partner churches, and they were doing activities together. And so uh-huh. Trinity Presbyterian Church invited people from New Horizon Church to join with them. So they ended up being a team, I think, 18 or 20 people, Half were from an African-American church called New Horizon. The other half were from Trinity Presbyterian Church. And so they came over to Africa. Well, one of the men on the trip, Henry Joseph, African-American man from Compton, Mississippi, had moved to Jackson, Mississippi, was working here. I tell people he spent his, his two weeks in Africa on his knees. But he wasn't just on his knees praying, and I'm sure he did some of that, but he was laying floor top in our mission hospital for two weeks. He was a great tile layer. And so when, when people walk in the hospital and I'm giving tours, I said, all of this town, this whole hospital, 25,000 square feet was supervised or laid personally by Henry Joseph. Wow. Well, it had such an impact on him. He came back with his team from New Horizon. He brought his pastor back within a year. He brought Ronnie Kruda back to, and he spoke at our college, a wonderful pastor, graduate of Reformed Theological Seminary, great, great preacher. And then they started bringing other people from their church. And then Henry Joseph said, you know what, Paul? I said, I, I, I can't stay and work in Mississippi anymore. I want to start work here mm. in Malawi. So he came to Malawi, started pastoring a church called Capital City Baptist Church. He had kids enrolled at the day school that my wife runs. He ended up living in Malawi for seven years. And through those seven years out of his church, he probably brought over at least another without even asking at least 30, probably 40 to 50 people from his church and starting ministries. They were building homes for widows in a village called Kauma, right outside of the capital. And then he went down to South Africa. In fact, he's in South Africa right now. He goes for a month at a time, two or three times a year to teach at a Bible school down near Cape Town. So it's just a long term not just the relationships that you build with people in Africa, but also getting the people in your church involved as well. Once, once your eyes are opened up to what God's doing in other parts of the world. Wow, that that's amazing. You know, as as we've been talking, one of the things I've noticed is that you know names. You know the names and the churches of the people that have come to visit and that have made an impact. And I really appreciate that because the kingdom in my mind, really is relational. We really are known by God. And I just, I so appreciate that you're able to to share that kind of stuff with us. You've talked about how there are opportunities to to be part of what African Bible colleges has going on, you know, pouring into the lives of people, things like that. If somebody's thinking, hey, this might be something that I'm interested in, but maybe they're worried about getting time off from work or they're worried about money or something like that, what would you share with them? 
Yes, that, that's a good question, and, and and many Americans and I understand that it's, it's difficult for them to get away, and and it's it is easier to go to Haiti where it's a one hour flight from Miami, or yeah. to go to Belize, you know, or to to go down to Mexico. Yes, that's easier and quicker, and takes less time. But those places are important. But those countries, it's hard to have what I call an effective point of contact in a country where you don't speak their heart language. You know, one of the important things that my wife and I learned living in Africa is that you can't really get to know the heart of the people if you don't know their language. And and Mm -hmm. I had one regret for my first five years in Malawi was not spending more time learning their language really, really well, because I, I, I see such a huge difference even today when I go to Liberia, where I grew up, and they speak a pidgin English. It's like a Creole that they speak in Liberia, and many Americans have a hard time hearing it, and very few of them can speak it well, but that's, I grew up speaking that. As soon as I start talking, you can just see their faces light up. Oh, wow, you're one of us, and so what I'm getting at there, it is important to go to, it is nice to go to have people come to countries like Uganda, like Malawi, like Liberia, where people do speak English and you can have an effective short-term mission trip very quickly. You're communicating with people on a very high level. So that that's, that's very important when people come over to Malawi to visit. Oh, that, that's, that's really good. I, I appreciate you sharing that. As we're kind of wrapping this up, I'm wondering, we, we've heard from you, we've heard your heart, we've heard some of the stuff that's going on. Now I'd like to turn the tables and just ask, as people that have heard now what you're sharing, how can we best pray for you? Yes, I, I appreciate that. And and it's and let's talk about our ministry a little bit first, praying specifically for our college students. I mentioned that all of them that come to our colleges They need some form of financial help, and many of them can get it from their relatives and churches. Many of them can't. So praying for our students. In fact, our vice chancellor in Malawi just sent me a list yesterday. Here's our students that have huge bills. They're supposed to graduate next week when I get back there at our graduation. Can you find people before you come to help cover their Mm -hmm. their expenses? So praying for our students, but praying for them when they graduate from ABC. And, And by the way, I I know that people that go overseas as a vocational missionary don't always have a really fruitful ministry. I, I remember when I was in college, I read a book by a guy named a missiologist named Phil Parshall. Was in Bangladesh for eleven years before he had his first convert. I'm going, wow, okay, that that's real dedication. Mm. Uh, fortunately, in Africa, you don't have to wait eleven years. You probably don't even have to wait eleven days. It's such a wide open, eager door for the gospel. Really, people coming to Christ, I would say at a higher rate than anywhere else on earth, probably more than any other point in time right now. So mm-hmm. it's a very exciting place to work. But do pray that our, our students and graduates, when they go out from African Bible College, that they stay focused on ministry, they stay focused on changing people's lives, they stay focused on saving the lost. And let me let me just say that, Brian, is an important message to people on short-term trips. You look at the example of Christ. Christ had compassion on people. Christ didn't just go and preach the gospel. So taking care of people's human needs, their physical needs, 
those were important to Christ. Mm-hmm. When people were hungry, he fed them. When people were sick, he healed them. When people were hurting, like his family, when Lazarus died, he sat and he cried with them, John eleven thirty five. He sat and he cried with his people. He knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew he could raise Lazarus, mm-hmm. but he still felt compassion. So it's important that we do that as short-term missionaries, as vocational missionaries. We found that a long time ago in Africa. You can't take care of people's spiritual needs without first helping address their, their physical needs or at least showing them that you are aware of them and you're concerned about them and you want to help them. So that that's something that's very important. And, and that's an important message to people going out that, yes, take care of people's physical needs. But don't do that at the neglect of preaching the gospel. Yeah. That's eternal. That's forever. There's, there's only one way to heaven and it's through the name of Jesus Christ. Make sure that Christ's name is being glorified. The gospel is being preached. That people are being saved in whatever ministry, whether it's humanitarian, whether it's a medical ministry, we do that very intentionally. So that that's a, a genuine prayer request that I would say, please pray for that, that we don't want to get sidetracked with taking care of people that have malaria and, and TB and typhoid and not take time to sit down with their family and say, you know, can, can we share Christ with you? And so uh, make sure that that's an intentional part of every short term mission trip. And I, every team that comes, I tell I said, you're here to help people. Hmm. Malawi in 2015 was ranked as the poorest country on planet Earth. Wow. Liberia today is ranked as the fourth poorest country in the world. I think Malawi's moved back up to number five or six. But people here are poor. They have a lot of very important physical needs. But but even Christ said, the poor will always be with you, but eternity's forever. So make sure that you're very intentional about sharing Christ and what you do. So, yes, do pray for our teams, even the teams that are coming this summer. You probably know the name Erwin McManus in L.A. He's a a Baptist preacher there, runs a church called Mosaic. They have, I think, 33 people coming to our mission this summer. We have another 38 or 40 coming from Chandler, Arizona. We have a team coming from the Kirk of the Hills Presbyterian Church in St. Louis, another 25 people. So, yes, pray that their ministries will be effective, that they'll be able to go back and be able to communicate clearly to their people what they've seen, what the needs are, look for avenues for building long-term relationships. And, and and that church, and let me just say in Chandler, Arizona, and I've mentioned the name Paul Gunther, hmm. he's probably made, I know going back to at least 2004 was their first trip. So what are we, 2000? So this is 13 years. They've been bringing teams to Africa every year, 13 years. Wow. But instead of just spreading themselves thin and and doing a little bit here, they have focused on one area. They've gone outside the capital city about 30 minutes down the road to an area called Mkanda. And it's not just one village, but a whole area of, of townships and villages in a big area. They said, let's have an impact here. And so it's been a very intentional focus. They've They'll bring in the chiefs and 20, 30 chiefs. They'll bring, they'll bring them to the mission. They'll do special dinners for them and really get to know the chiefs. And that, that, that's an important cross-cultural lesson. Mm. Whereas here in America, we're very egalitarian. Everyone's equal. I mean, no one's more yeah. important than the next person. Well, 
that that changes quickly when you get into a third world setting. The chief is very important. You don't go into a village and do anything without going to the chief's house first and saying, introducing yourself and uh, sitting down, making sure your head's lower than the chief's head and showing respect to them and asking their permission to do whatever you're doing. But that church has done it right. They've built a, a great long-term relationship. So yes, do pray for the teams that are coming over. The other important you can pray for is staffing. We have right now three very important staffing needs that I need filled by August mm. in Malawi. I'm going there now. I need a first grade teacher for our day school. I need a high school math teacher. I need a communications lecturer at the university, someone with some experience in broadcasting, TV or radio. So those are three key positions that I need filled before August. So those are very specific things that you can pray for. And then you can also pray for the, the safety and the health of our people that are coming over, not just my family and my kids. My, my children were born in Africa, so they're a little bit more immune to hmm. malaria than other people. But do pray for teams. That malaria is not a joke. It still kills more people in Africa than, than almost every other disease combined. So do pray for the teams that come over. Pray for their health and safety as well. Wow. Dr. Chin Chen, I just want to say that I so appreciate what you've shared. And for, for those of you listening, I would just ask that you maybe just take a minute right now to pause and to pray because there are a lot of opportunities and we can join with what is, what's going on with African Bible colleges by joining them in prayer. And so I'd like to encourage you to do that. If you'd like to connect with Paul Chin Chen, visit the show notes page, engagingmissions.com slash Paul Chin Chen. We'll have some links so that you can connect and, you know, may, maybe something that he's shared is an opportunity for you to connect and maybe even be involved. So take advantage of that. One last time, I just want to say thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here. Yeah, well, thank you, Brian. And I really appreciate your ministry with Engaging Missions. And I do genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, want to say thank you for your emphasis on encouraging people in short-term missions. Please don't let any church be discouraged. There's always going to be problems. There's Unfortunately, there's always going to be criticisms. But from someone who's been on the other side, watching these teams come and go, and yeah, they make mistakes. <laughs> and yes, things don't go well. And yes, people get sick. And, and yes, we could have used the money to do something else. But it is such, so many more wonderful things come from these people that come over and see firsthand, get excited. And what I get most excited, them building relationships outside of my family, outside yeah. of African Bible College, directly with my students, directly with my graduates. I could and should make a list of all the people that are engaged with my graduates outside of the mission. It would be in the hundreds, if not over a thousand uh, people in churches directly involved. I'll tell you one quick story in closing. Okay. I was on the plane. When was it? This was in November. I was flying back to Malawi. And I get on the plane in Atlanta, and, and we're flying over to Johannesburg. It's a 17-hour flight, and I put my bag away. And three or four rows back, there's an African guy, and he's looking at me. His eyes are open, and then he starts waving and smiling. I go, that looks like Fidelis. So I walk back there where everyone's putting their bags away. Fidelis, is that you? Yeah, it was Fidelis Kambalama. I said, what in the world are you doing in Atlanta? He had just graduated from our college three years ago. I said, oh, I'm speaking at a church here. I said, which, which church? He said, Peachtree Presbyterian, hmm. a massive big church. I said, really? He says, yeah, but I also, I just was in South Carolina. I was speaking at another church there in Greenville, South Carolina. I said, what are you doing speaking at these people's churches? He said, oh, I started a program up in Mazuzu. That's about 
five hours north of us, up going up towards the Tanzania border, up in northern Malawi. I said, what kind of ministry? He said, well, I'm helping high school kids when they finish high school. Most of them don't score well enough on the national exam. It would be like our ACT or SAT. He said, mm-hmm. and so my, my ministry, we have after-school programs to help them get ready for the national exam, and then we find them sponsors in the U.S. that will pay for them to go to university. I said, really, how many kids are you working with? He said, oh, it's about two or 300. Here's a graduate. I had no idea. We started a ministry I hadn't even heard of, just five hours from my campus, helping two or 300 kids in the States, speaking at churches, flying on the airplane. I can't tell you how tremendously encouraging that was to see somebody completely outside of our mission doing his own work, involved in churches. I've never spoken in Peachtree Presbyterian Church in Atlanta. But here he was. I've never been to Greenville, South Carolina, and he's built relationships with churches outside of it. But the, our, our mission had helped open the door with the education he got, with the relationships. He had met those people on short-term mission trips to Malawi as hmm. where he got introduced to them, but totally took off on his own, which is a thousand percent what we want to see happen. So that's tremendously encouraging. To see that happen. Yeah, that, that's great. Thanks for sharing that. I appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Mission Show. Anyone who's been on a short-term trip is probably relating very closely to what I'm saying right now. So I, I've seen that be real, real, real impactful, especially to the team who goes. In typical short-term missions work, of the impact is on the people who are conducting the short-term mission and on the people who are participating in a foreign context. That's kind of counterintuitive, and I think it's probably not how short-term missions are sold. (laughs) But, uh, you know, we're going to go save the, you know, fill in the blank. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm all about motivation. Obviously, there needs to be a motivational element in order for us to overcome the human inertia associated with whatever we're currently doing or not doing. But yeah, for me, I've seen that be huge for people who are going on short-term work. And when a relationship results from it, it certainly can be huge in a more ongoing sense of the word. If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Mission Show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. I'd like to express my sincere thanks to Dr. Paul Chinchen for being with us and also to you for joining us. Without you, it would just be me and Dr. Chinchen talking, and that would be great. But the real value is in getting this story out there for you. And so having you here is a real blessing, a real privilege. I really appreciate you. If you enjoyed this show and would like to find other podcasts or maybe some audio books that are specifically around missions, missional living, evangelism, church planting, that kind of thing, visit missionalaudio.com. That's where you'll find a resource that I'm beginning to put together of audiobooks, that kind of thing. And if you see something, or rather, if you don't see something that should be there, make sure that you let us know so that we can get that listed. I really want to make sure that that's available for you. Show notes for this episode are available at engagingmissions.com slash Paul Chin Chin. That's where you're going to find ways to comment, to connect, and also to share. Make sure that you come back next week. We're going to be hearing from Scott McClelland of FX Missions 
more about building relationships with local leaders. Make sure that you don't miss that by subscribing in your favorite podcast app, maybe the podcast app from Apple or something else that you enjoy. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe for links to subscribe in any of those podcast apps. And if you have a story of how you have been equipped, challenged, or inspired through the Engaging Missions show, I would love to hear from you. Send an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this along with show notes by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.